0: you know hockey has taught me over time to to be versatile to roll with the punches to be sorry uh, literally <laughs> <No>. and figuratively <laughs> no. and and how to adapt to a new environment we all have our roles we need to be part of a team and there's you know identifying what's your skill set mastering your skill set but as well you know how do you introduce some collegiality into the dynamic that is your team
1: Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, Jonah Weiss. It's incredible I have here someone very special. You know, we've, we've had a few celebrities or professional athletes and t- people who have had their career in the spotlight for uh, and then moved into to different activities. So, Stu Grimson is one of those people who uh, I'm fortunate enough to have with me today. How are you doing, Stu?
0: Hey, I'm wonderful, Yoda. Great to be on. I'm, I have looked forward to the podcast for, for a good long while.
1: Yeah, as have I. I mean, just to give you a little background, I mean, Stu spent 14 years playing in the National Hockey League, professional hockey. If you were a fan of hockey during the 80s, 90s, you may have uh, seen him getting a fistfight or two, <laughs> earning him the name the Grim Reaper,
0: right? Yeah. Grimson, but... Not a not a nickname that my mother is particularly <laughs> fond of. Who who wants to be given credit for having raised the Grim Reaper, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Stu is a, a very
1: well rounded, you know, and, and in fact, after leaving the Hockey League, you know, he's he went to work as a lawyer, you know, working for the National Hockey League's Players Union and working as an attorney as well. And now has an has investing company where he and his wife invest in, you know, many different investment vehicles, including one of the things that, that I got connected with him is in multifamily property investing, which, which is pretty cool. So, there's a lot of well rounded Obviously, I didn't go into to too much. I'd love for you to, to touch on on that a little more about what it was like going from, you know, the professional sports career into, you know, law and, and investing.
0: Sure. You know, I, I think the transition started for me well before I ever retired from active play in the NHL. Because everybody knows that day is coming. You know, we start yeah. out, uh, if you're fortunate enough to kind of carve out a career in pro sports, you know, it's a, it's a great career. It's a great lifestyle. Almost regrettably, it comes at an early stage in your life when you you're not even in a position to really truly appreciate. it I always say it should come at the end of your life, this <laughs> career in pro sports, when you've worked so hard, and you know you, you you're really in a place where you can kind of appreciate As it. A, the the
1: retirement time, like, league.
0: <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. So I knew the end was coming at some point in my 30s. You know, hopefully deeper in my 30s, and I I think I did retire 36, 37 years of age, but I knew that okay. education. From me was going to be an important part of how I would pivot from pro sports and then ultimately go on to to work, you know, another profession. I chose to finish off my undergraduate degree and earn a degree in the law for this very simple reason. And this has kind of borne true for me as time has worn on, Yona. And it is, I, I wanted to do a graduate degree, specifically the law, because I thought it would provide me the broadest range of choices Mm -hmm. just in terms of career opportunities after I walked away from the game. And, you know, you touched on a few of them. I have been in-house counsel, labor counsel for the players union. I have litigated for a private law firm here in, in downtown Nashville. I, I now serve as corporate counsel for a, uh, a company that is not necessarily in the real estate game, but uh, third home, we we manage a, uh, a private luxury and uh, travel and property club. And again, I've had these opportunities come my way largely because, you know, that I was able to kind of pivot, uh, invest in my own marketable skills and perhaps add some letters after my name. And the opportunities have, you know, have been there and I've been able to seize upon them. So that really for me has, education has been a, a, an integral part of me successfully pivoting from, from pro sports.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, obviously anyone who's in pro sports, as you mentioned, you know it's a short-lived career. I mean, at yeah. the most, you know, any professional athlete, like the most is you know maybe twenty years, you know, twenty-five maximum. And yeah. and so, as someone who starts off, you know, in their teens or early twenties, you you have you know many more years around to to Correct. take advantage of, and you know, you may not have enough to retire on just from the uh, you know the salary during those years. And I think it's that's great that you're proactive, you know, immediately to kind of pivot into. You know, you're furthering your education and, and bringing about those opportunities. Uh, I, I, you know, just a little background on, on me and how, uh, you know, I was a big fan of hockey growing up. You may not be able to tell, but I, I played a little bit. I actually was born in Boston and moved to LA when I was okay. in 1989. So, right around when Gretzky came to LA. Sure. And so, hockey took off in LA, but there's yeah. no ice rinks, right? So, everyone played street yeah. hockey, right? but we were big 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 fans. So I mean I I actually remember vividly you and Marty McSorley like going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was one tough customer. He was one tough customer. Rode shotgun for Wayne Gretzky for a lot of years Marty McSorley did, but he was he was a great pro.
1: Yeah. So I mean that to me that that's that's impressive, you know, when I see someone who is a professional athlete and obviously you had your your in's, your out's you know, in that, your bouts, so to speak, but to go into another f- field, to be able to take that, what what kind of, uh, I guess, skills would you say you took from professional sports that has allowed you to kind of flourish in your uh, investing and your, your furthering your career?
0: Yeah, that that's a great question. I don't know that I've ever been asked that, but it really is a great question. And, and I will say this, you know, I made the point about education and how much that, you know really assisted me in kind of making a successful pivot from from you know a life in pro sports but the game itself opened up a lot of doors for me yeah. it really did the fact that you know you've had a career of some length in the nhl or in a professional sport kind of gets the attention of folks who you know whether you're involved in a specific real estate opportunity or some kind of a vocational opportunity it just kind of gets people sitting up in their chair but at the end of the day you know you as an individual you as a professional though the door has been open for you you got to kind of deliver you got to be able to to bring some value to the table and no question i think my background in education has assisted me in that way but more to your point my background in the game i think for these reasons And, you know, I could probably touch on two or three at this point when you spend really you know your your youth and your adult life to that point as you're kind of carving out a career in pro sports you're part of a team you're always going to be part of you know and for me in my situation i was very much a role player i'm not a 30 40 goal guy you mentioned it i'm a bit of a grinder i'm the you know i'm the ham and eggs fourth line left winger kind of guy so nobody knew better than me essential to team success is you got to find a niche you've got to master your niche, and you've got to do the best you can for your group each and every night out. You're all trying to build something in terms of of club success. So that, for me, was, I think, a tremendous kind of background to grow up in because, you know, as we pivot and go on to do other things, you at Madison Specs, me here at Third Home, or me as the member of a law firm, we all have our roles. We need to be part of a team, and there's, you know, identifying what's your skill set, mastering your skill set, but as well, you know, how do you introduce some collegiality into the dynamic that is your team? And that's, you know, that's kind of a relational aspect. That's probably one of the second points I picked up as part of my, you know, my part of the career in, in pro sports, just how to work well with others. And I think, you know, hockey has taught me over time to, to be versatile, to roll with the punches, to be, sorry, uh, <laughs> literally <laughs> and figuratively, <laughs> and, and how to adapt to a new environment if circumstances do change. So th- that, it's a great question, Viona. There's a lot more to talk about there. But certainly, I think my, my background in pro sports provided me with those attributes as I shifted and went on to do other things in my life.
1: Yeah, and and you've you know moved moved most recently, I guess you know you, you you're in Nashville now, and and yeah. you're investing heavily in the multifamily space. You want to talk a little bit about how you how you first got involved in that, and and why you chose multifamily kind of to to be an investment vehicle that you find favorable.
0: Yeah, so I think the inspiration came for me over the course of my career. My wife and I, our family, we moved a good bit for me every two or three years we're kind of and that's just the nature of kind of this journeyman's role that I played and a lot of enforcer types like me played you're accustomed to moving around a good bit as part of their career so you played for how how many how many teams did you actually play for eight teams altogether: uh Detroit Carolina Hartford LA Anaheim you mentioned the two out in California eventually retired in Nashville Predator but uh I chased the puck around for a good long while. I really did. Part of the reason I, I mentioned that is, you know, the introduction or the interest in real estate kind of came from, hey, where's a good place to buy a house? Where can I could I potentially see some appreciation in the investment that I've made in my house? And we did quite well over time, but really began to, I guess, develop an interest in real estate and really develop kind of an eye for what is a good investment a logical kind of extension from that is to go on into income earning properties right. but not just you know investing in a single family a primary residence but hey how can i get into to real estate that that pays me money to be mm-hmm. invested in it so you begin to develop an eye for you know we started out in some single family homes and then ultimately moved on to multifamily i mean you can make a a similar or even larger investment have more units you've got economies of scale as you kind of get into properties that you know by virtue of multiple doors each are paying you you know something in the way of net operating income to to be to be invested so uh, have enjoyed that. Have really enjoyed, you know, developing an interest and some experience in that area.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I want to just you know give a quick plug because uh, you you put out a, a book last year, mm-hmm. right? a Kind of autobiography, right? They yeah. called the Grim Reaper: the the life and career of a reluctant warrior, right? So anyone who, who wants to, you know, who, who's seen that or knows who you are and you know has followed your career. As someone who had a bit of a reputation as a as a fighter, right someone who was on that yeah. that kind of line that took that role, and as you said it was it was kind of a niche kind of role within that yeah, team that that so. brought something which is probably hard for a lot of people who are not hockey fans or, or don 't follow the sport to understand
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: or relate to, but yeah. you know obviously you kind of took that role and, and even if it was something that you didn 't want to do uh,
0: yeah. so
1: yeah, so what inspired you to to share your story through this? through this in this book.
0: Yeah. You know, and it, I had an opportunity to, to, to write this book, to be involved in that project for several years before I ever eventually decided to pull the trigger and, and go in that direction. And, and I suppose it kind of came down to the following realization. I, I resisted that idea early on just because I didn't really think I had A lot of story to tell. Again, fourth line left winger for my entire career. What does a guy like that have to contribute? But I began to realize, you know, for a guy like me who got to the NHL by a rather unconventional path, I didn't take the typical, you know, amateur to to elite junior hockey and then on to a, a career in the NHL. I got there kind of by way of a meandering path. And then, true, you mentioned it, when I did eventually secure a position in the NHL. It was a rather unique role that I played. And then since that time, I've gone on to do other things. My point in saying that, Yona, is when you take a path like that through life, you learn some things. And you learn some things that aren't necessarily just specific to the game itself, I have been so encouraged having written this book, sharing the lessons that I've learned through my hockey career and even beyond. But I've had people that work in other vocations, other industries, speak these encouraging words back to me. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for making yourself vulnerable. I really learned a lot from that. And these folks don't play professional hockey. So that really I think was the primary justification behind the book. Just sharing some of the lessons I've learned and kind of letting folks peek behind the curtain a little bit.
1: Sure. And, yeah, you know, I look forward to, to checking that out. And I'm going to put a, a link in the in the show notes here. So if anyone wants to check that out, the, the Green Reaper, we're going to, you know, put a link over there for you guys. Wonderful. To... I
0: appreciate yeah. that.
1: Thank and, you. And, um, you know, I'd love to just jump right into the final four over here, Stu. Okay. So, yeah, the first question I have is what's the worst job you ever had?
0: You know, there are a lot of bad (laughs) jobs that I have had over time, and one is documented quite well in the book. My mom grew up on a dairy farm, and when I was a a teenage boy, I I worked on that dairy farm most summers, and I knew quite quickly I wasn't going to be a dairy farmer for a living. It's a hard, hard life, but it, it taught me a lot. I wouldn't say that was my worst job. I once worked on this old riverboat, I think it was called the Fintry Queen, in my hometown of Kamloops, British Columbia. This boat sailed up the river, it sailed back down the river, and I was kind of the galley kid. I, I hung out, I slept hot dogs and soda on the boat to folks that were traveling, and I was at that job about two days.
1: Did not care for that
0: job. did not care for that job. I couldn't master the knot to get this dang boat tied to the dock. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Any, any job you have, you know, after two days, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you yeah know. It's, <laughs> Farewell. It's, yeah. It's not meant for you.
0: Exactly right.
1: What's a, a book that you've read that's given you a paradigm shift?
0: You know, I'll bet you've had other folks on your podcast and ask this question. I bet this has been the response, but it's this is a book that's had this kind of broad impact. Rich Dad Poor Dad for me was, was something that I think that really helped shift my views about money and really as much as anything, yes, investing, but more my spending habits and the way I manage my money. And I think the key thing I took from Rich Dad Poor Dad was just what things out there are worthy of my investment dollars mm-hmm. insofar as how will they yield a return for me? Will they pay me dollars yeah. for me committing that money into this particular investment vehicle? So I, I really, I got a lot from Rich Dad Poor Dad. I'm sure, I, yeah.
1: I think, yeah, and we've definitely had that as an answer, but I'm curious, uh, curious to know, at what point of your life did you, did you come across that book?
0: Oh, not till rather late. I was probably mid-40s.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah,
0: so rather late.
1: Yeah, yeah. but it, it definitely has impacted you know, tens of thousands, millions of people uh, out there. So third question for you is what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn?
0: That's a good question. That's a good question. I'm going to share the one that Jennifer, my wife and I have been working on during the pandemic swing dancing.
1: Really? Oh, that's yeah, so... <laughs> we've, been
0: doing, we've been doing a little <laughs> bit of swing dancing. I have, anytime we've been out, usually it's at a wedding or something like that. And you can see folks actually i should reference my parents because they're they're both even in their 80s my parents are wonderful swing dancers but i've always just been so i suppose enamored with the energy and the way it looks and and the fact that People seem to be, when they do that and they do it well, they really seem to be celebrating the music in a unique way or moving to the music in a really unique way. So Jennifer and I have been working on that. We've got some distance to travel there, but <laughs> I want to see us improve at the, the whole activity, swing dancing.
1: That's great. Uh, that's a good one. I and mean, I agree with you. I think it also shows, you know, just it's like, you know, like a lot of dancing is, but it's like a sport in a way because there's so much movement, there's so much activity, there's so much in tandemness, if that's a word,
0: Yeah, and I know I I, if it's not a word, we all know what you're trying to convey. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I love that how the the couple really you're working on that together. And, you know, it it takes a good bit of practice. So that's been a great kind of a a couple's relational activity for us in, in pandemic times.
1: That's awesome. And fourth and final question is, what does success mean to you?
0: You know, the ability to live a life And I I really think I am, you know, close to arriving at this station in my life. I'm beginning to realize I've probably been here for a while and didn't realize it. Live life on my own terms. Um, If I don't like something that I'm involved in, the ability to walk away from it, even if it's something that pays me money, the ability to walk away from it because it just it doesn't suit my interests, doesn't suit my my needs and and my ambitions at that moment in time that, you know, I, I realize to arrive at that station is a very fortunate one. And there, I, I couldn't begin to put a percentage on that, but I know there are a lot of people in life that that never get to entertain or, or perhaps arrive at that destination. So that, that for me really is just the ability to be involved in the things that interest me, that challenge me, that I enjoy, and to, to be able to live life on my own terms.
1: Yeah, that's a I really really great way of, uh, of looking at that and, and that definition it's it's amazing to me because I find everyone has a different definition and that's what's sure. that's what's so unique and that's why I ask it you know what does it mean to you and I think everyone is totally right because there because there's it's, there's no wrong answer and they're all beautiful you know, ways of, of seeing that and so that's wonderful and I appreciate you uh, you know taking the time out here today and, and sharing this where can our listeners find you or where can people reach out to you
0: well You can get to me in a lot of different places. I'm on Twitter at A.S. Grimson, stew.grimson at hotmail.com. That's my personal email address. You can certainly get me there, stew.grimson at thirdhome.com. If a luxury and private property travel club is something that interests you, third home is a rather unique concept. And in our next time together on a podcast, we can talk more about that. But I'm not hard to find. I'm not hard to find.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you taking the time out here today and spending it with us. And I just want to wish you continued success.
0: Thank you, Yona. I really enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed our time together.
1: Yeah. And to our listeners, thank you again for joining us. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. I certainly did. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode?